because I'm trying to figure out like, all right, well, how, how do, not that I have the power to solve anything, but I, I want to understand like how this can be solved. And is it a matter of just don't be racist anymore and everything will be better? Or is there something more to it? Like, why is it that this segment of the population and, and to be fair, other segments of the population are underserved? Why is it that you can look at murder rates nationally, but then when you start carving them up by ethnicities or races or geographic locations, they can be 10 times the national average. Yeah. That's insane to me that there would be that trend. You would hope that when you carved up the data like that, there would be no trend. It would just be like, oh, it is aligned with the national average. But when you see numbers jump 10 times, like, what is that? And is it, 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 can it just be explained as racism that they're picking them out in urban locations to say, I'm not going to help you, but I'm going to help you? Or is it they're all clustered in a rural area that there's racism, but there's also a lack of infrastructure and economic opportunity? And it's all of these things that are at play. Cause I did cite those, those things were cited in articles and I mentioned that at the end of my thing. But like, is it a mix of things? Like, I, I'm just trying to understand. <laughs> What's wrong, Antoine? Fighting off an illness, man. You know how I feel? I feel like I was telling a joke on stage and someone came up and slapped the snizzit out of me. <laughs> That's how I feel right now. If it makes you feel any better, that person is going to get an award later. Strangely, it does make me feel better. Someone should gonna, get something out of it. We're going to celebrate that person later, Antoine. Well, someone should get something out of it, to be fair. Why be stingy? Why be greedy? Give to the needy. DMX, the late great, RIP. RIP. That's yeah. why little. That's why little little Marco is trying to help us all out. <laughs> I, I could start with that. I got a retraction on that. Thankfully, a listener. Well, you're not going to vote for him. <laughs> is that what you're? Retracting? I don't know. Well, I don't know. That's not what I'm retracting. I don't know because uh, a listener listened to the pod, then sent me a message to say that. Um, you know, have you have you looked at the updates on that story? And I was like, no, I, I, we've moved on. I didn't think I was like, yeah, the next one I was going to check in is when the Congress takes up for a vote and to see, you know, where the chips lie after that. Uh, but they were like, nope, nope, you got to check this out. So they sent me a story. I can get right into it. I, I know you got you got big plans. You got like a I got stuff. 18 story story to, to to dissect on me so th this won't take long this will just be a, a little little side note retraction but uh apparently it's it's like a side it's like an amendment to the original story of little marco and his daylight savings agenda um you know the, the bill the what was it the sunshine act which i actually as far as bills go i think that that's a really i, I think I, it was catchy i enjoyed that what's the, what's the science one called what science one there's a science bill currently? Is that what you're referring no, to? No, no, no. When you say Sunshine Act, I feel like that's like a name of something else. It did sound familiar. I'll be honest about that. I thought that it sounded strangely familiar, but anyway, you look you look that up. And sure, I'll it's called the Sunshine Act. I'm I, I want pretty you to be positive it's called the Sunshine Act. There's a Sunshine Act. Act having to do with science. The Physicians, the Physician Payments Sunshine Act, which is part of the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. I know I've heard of this like act before. What did Rubio call his? Am I got it wrong? Sunshine Protection Act. There you go. Jesus. <laughs> I think some people have been shorthanding it to the Sunshine Act, but I guess they, all right, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to call a retraction on it. The Sunshine Protection Act 
the SPA. I, I think it's easier just to call it that at this point. Um, so the SPA or the Sunshine Protection Act, which sounds a little bit more like gun legislation. The um, so everyone was surprised by the Senate passing permanent daylight savings time, especially the senators. This is uh, an article on BuzzFeed. Uh, with the that's the title of the article. Senators, it seems, were not told by their staff that the request was happening. Coons is one of them. He said that he and some other senators senators reacted to the news by asking Rubio if they'd given everyone a heads up and were told yes. It's literally an issue my staff and I had never discussed, and they made an assumption that I don't really care about daylight savings time, Coons said, and I don't know if I do. I've never taken five minutes to stop and think about it. <laughs> during, <laughs> during a hotline, a senator's legislative director typically vets the request. But sometimes those staff will decide an issue is too benign or obviously doomed to bother their boss with. A lot of things try to get hotlined every day, said Senator Dan Sullivan. The system raises the question, if any senator can pass a bill on any day, why aren't people trying this all the time? Why doesn't Senator Bernie Sanders slip into the Senate when no Republicans are around and use unanimous consent to pass the Green New Deal? I actually have a definition for unanimous consent for the listeners. Give me a second to pull that up. Unanimous consent is an agreement on any question or matter before the Senate that sets aside a rule of procedure to expedite proceedings. Many requests for unanimous consent are routine, but if any senator objects, the request is automatically rejected. Right. So the long-standing hotline system of notifying every senator of each unanimous consent request isn't just a matter of principle. The moment this norm is breached and on one side tries something sneaky, both parties would need to implement a system where one of their members is present in the Senate chamber at all times to block consent requests. That babysitting, that's a babysitting duty no one wants to be stuck with, so both sides agree to play nice. The permanent daylight savings time bill is now in this limbo. Though it has passed the Senate, it still needs to pass the House and be signed into law by President Joe Biden. Passing a bill through the House is generally a lot easier than the Senate, but there's still an opportunity for standard time proponents or clock-changing enthusiasts to block the legislation. And that is where we are right now. So it's not that Mark Rubio is... That, what is, this, is a clock... What is a clock-changing enthusiast? Like someone who likes We're to gonna find their out. watch? We're going to find out. We're going to find out people who actually get a kick out of changing their clocks every year. It's so fascinating. It's fascinating we, stuff. I, 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 I pose Rubio as being a, a, a mastermind of sorts in terms of his ability to broker both sides of the aisle together and get a bill passed. And he's very tumultuous, uh, clog-drained times that we live in in terms of legislative procedure. And uh, I was wrong. It, it, it's he's not a deal maker he's, he's not, not a deal maker <laughs> what he, he is just, he just he just used this a uh, uh, a system that's in place but instead of it being a mundane bill no one cares about he kind of used something that everyone cares about just not a priority right which At is because there's also a war going on that and the, the article does address some of those uh, that a couple of senators were more focused on Ukraine at the time and so just didn't give it the time of day or their staff didn't bring it up to them because they're like, well, we're dealing with possible World War III. The last thing my senator boss wants to look at is whether we're going to stop changing the clocks um, twice a year. So, I mean, I don't feel I mean, I don't feel like this takes away from anything really like 
it's I didn't really think about it as wow he like brokered a deal between sides because in my mind like who would be against this other than hey let's wait a rotation until it's in line with the science well a lot of people are actually against this and the and the the washington post is there an industry that depends on this like i'm going to show you i'm going to show you right now actually why this this is kind of an issue that again something that we didn't take into account but i'm going to share my screen with you what didn't we take into account antoine can you see that what unnatural thing do we have to account for? Well, we have this to account for. So the listeners can't see, but the Washington Post did this really cool graphic where they showed- Antoine clearly pays for the Washington Post because I'm gated from reading anything that they do. <laughs> I do. I support the I support, I support the media in some ways. But uh, so they did this really cool graphic and it shows the entire United States and it has a- uh, um, basically like a color coding to say who, how, who, what time uh, the sun will rise in specific areas if we were to keep permanent daylight savings time. So when we would normally switch back to standard time with the new daylight savings time, this is what time the sun might possibly rise in these places. And now this is what most people bring up. The Midwest definitely <laughs> gets a little screwed here because they're looking at average sun rises between 9 30 and 10 a.m and that's kind of rough (laughs) i'm not gonna lie that's a little rough to do a whole commute to work get to the office it's still pitch black out and have the sun rise while you're at your first meeting what would it be if what it would be if they just do it then oh if they yeah if they switch it over yeah i mean that's like if they're the only ones that keep doing it and the rest of us don't have to well, I mean, that's what happened with like Arkansas. You know, we're we're currently in a place where the states can choose whether they're going to continue to flip their clocks or not. Uh, yeah, is this the only scenario where I'm actually going to be like on, on not the Arkansas, side of state Arizona? Rights? Yeah, yeah, this might be. Yeah, well, so Arizona, it's Arizona that doesn't switch their clocks anymore. But yeah, the whole central United States basically is is in darkness until around nine thirty to ten a.m. I'll admit that. Parts of New York actually seem to be in this nine, in the eight thirty to nine range. Uh, yeah, this but, thing is not colorblind friendly, by the way. Like, oh, as a really? Person, mm-hmm. this is this is you can't see this anything. Is, this isn't do- Oh, I can see it, but I mean, this is not doing anything for me. I can't match up the colors. This is mm. it's too much. Well, I mean, well, you, that's why you have Washington me. I'm, Post. I'm, Get it together. Get I'm, it together, I'm, Washington Post. Well, you need a, a person whose color who's not handicapped in that way to walk you through it i'm like a your your guide dog i'm your i'm your friendly guy your jimmy cricket if you will uh so uh but yeah it's it's pretty rough it's pretty rough so uh, very few people benefit in terms of the early mornings the like alabama has the 7 30 to 8 even I florida mean, the, the pop, even florida the, 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 the sun isn't rising until 8 30 the, the, the population centers seem to be benefiting right yeah 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 so New Jersey, I'm anyone. I'm talking about 8 to 8.30, right, yeah, I mean, look, a lot of, yeah, you're right, a lot of this darkness is falling on very sparsely populated areas, which is kind of a concern, this is what happened in the 70s, it was these areas that um, had a lot, had an uptick in children being hit by cars on their way to school, uh, so there is some precedent to uh, sort of, definitely, be- you know, put a pause on what uh, permanent daylight savings time would be now i mean the, the natural thing to have done would be to resort to standard time <laughs> so that you know we have more of a natural the standard time to standard time erase this risk erase the issue yeah because you're an hour back so what would be a 10 o'clock 
sunrise would actually be nine, which is what it was before. That's what it would normally be for those right. risky areas. I'm just saying. All right, I mean, so then let's just do that. Let's do that. All right, so reject Marco Rubio's Democrat raise it next time. They let's get see what the wins. They get well, they get the W. It's going to be standard. It's going to be interesting to see how the Congress treats this this issue because because of the way it passed the Senate, I do wonder if both Republican and Democratic Cong- Congress uh, congressional members will ostensibly just reject it out outright, like just out of hand, because it was not something that was fully brokered on by anybody else. Uh, like any of their, uh, you know, their fellow, um, their fellow representatives in the Senate, like did not actually have any hand in, in passing or, or rejecting the, the, uh, the, uh, this act. So that's it. I just wanted to, to, uh, to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that. Oh, here's another question then. Mm-hmm. Not that you would know. Yeah. What if they change the time zones? Would that do anything i don't know anything about the yeah i don't know i don't know about the time zone changes i'm not sure i mean i i don't i don't know how i don't even know why time zones exist or how they were put in place that's something i think i figured you might know more about that well, i don't know about why, well, why they exist is so well because then everyone would just be on what greenwich time because it wouldn't be ours it would we would all be on whatever whatever that is mm-hmm. right Mm-hmm. And then, so we may be getting up at 11 p.m. For all I know, like I don't know how it all works. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, that's the. I'm, I'm actually a proponent of standardizing the times because time is. I think it's just like you'd have to get used to it, but then it would be normal yeah. where you live. You like get up. You at the get it. And- you know how hard it is. I've had many debates with people trying to get them to agree that the it's time all con- it's all it's, arbitrary it's and that not, yes, 11 it, yeah, p.m. Not, waking up at 11 it's p.m. A, doesn't matter. Not a natural construct. Exactly. It's, you just. I mean, it's um, so we all could actually standardize time that way. You never have to do a conversion. So no matter where you go in the well, world, but but so but throughout, it's the same time. But forever, the time was always localized, and now it wouldn't be. So I mean, even like storytelling, you try to tell a story, and you're like, I woke up at six a.m. You know that may not resonate with people because some people may wake up at nine p.m. That's true. Um, and so I feel like there will be some weird stuff about that. But again. Yeah, it's all I mean, conditioning and once you're born right. into it, you're born into it and it's just like accepted exactly um, and you're like oh they wake up at 6 a.m this must take place in london or something right like i, that, I don't and that's exactly how you would that's that's exactly right you would you would actually have a better understanding of regional time zones because everyone's on the same time which means that it would start to get baked into movies and storytelling so you would just automatically know that at 6 a.m this part of the world is in darkness and at 6 a.m., this part of the world is in light. And then that that would just naturally bake into how you orientate yourself around, like, in terms of, like, what's happening in the globe. And I actually think it's a more natural way to understand, like, sort of what, 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 the, what is it, the, the, the pattern of the sun? Like, like, it's a more natural way to understand where, like, how the, the earth is rotating um, personally. And I think that would actually help in terms, yeah, of, it's in terms of astronomy. It, I actually think just... that would help a lot. It would be a it would be a huge learning curve. I don't even know what the transition to that would look like. Yeah, no. I don't. Man. I don't know because it's it's one thing to say you're born into it, but about everyone else, 
Hey, what do you yeah. do with like? Yeah. I don't you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, well, that's, I mean, a, that's a hard transition. You 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 transition it like you transition any new idea, like any new ideas, which is where you just start teaching it at school. So everyone else would still operate in the old way, and then it's just like met like you the don't new make math. the change, but you have to change. So what you would do is you would say, okay, starting tomorrow, yeah, we are going to teach this almost like a second language. That's exactly we are what you would teach do. This, yep. and then once. Everyone who existed born with this time is dead. That's then you correct. change. Then you change because now everyone at least has an idea of what you're doing. And I mean, so it won't be till like three like generations, three, three, four generations from now is when you yeah. flip the switch, but you start teaching it today. Well, it, it would happen naturally because as people who learned about time in this standardized way start to develop products, like let's say they start joining Apple, it would just start becoming the default that they would want to see in terms of a. Uh, a smartwatch or your phone like you would switch people just start switching their phones and everything to this new standard time because it's what they're used to and, it, and if you had your phone in the old way it's it's sort of like military time how some people have their phones in military time and some don't it's because that's the, that's an orientation that's a doc that's an indoctrination that they you know either they spent time in the military or they spent time abroad a lot and so military time just makes a lot more sense the 24-hour clock it's it would be something just like that and eventually yeah as people die off then this would just replace what time used to be and and, and, it, and i think it would be a much better world <laughs> i think it's i mean i don't know i don't know i don't know about that that we that is something to quote the senator i have not thought about before <laughs> what, <laughs> how better how much better would the world be if we just standardized time globally but mm -hmm. um it would yeah. be interesting i mean i think it would be it would be easier. You wouldn't have to say like, well, what time is it there? You would just have to know what time is early there. So it's that's right. Right. But it, you would need it, to know. So it's sort of, you still need to know something, but, but it's something you would, I feel it's easier to grasp because you already, we already have a sense that if you're talking about Australia, they're going to be like way out there, like way, you know, they're going to be like 12 hours ahead or something like that. Instead of thinking of 12 hours ahead, you would just think of, all right, they're night or day. And then I think that's a lot easier to sort of conceptualize. That's why I think it's a better system. Yeah, I'm not arguing against it. I, no. I just, well, I don't think it'll ever happen. But, um, oh, God, no, 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 never. No. Who's going to, and what, everyone's just going to yield to the British? Because <laughs> like, there's, it would be a Star Trek event. It, it would have to be first contact. And then we all go to one time because the aliens basically told us to. Like, so. we're not helping you unless you, unless you do this. That's exactly um, right. You never, well, you never opened the episode. Open what? Open the episode? You never opened our episode, this episode. Oh, welcome to Retraction. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, right. With the tagline. Um, I got one. Oh, okay. Go for it. Go for it. You gave up faster than me. Reversing course through discourse. Oh, you know what? I like that. I, I would accept that. I would accept that as the official. Reversing course through discourse. I actually think that's good. That's a really good one. Retraction, right? Kind of just all goes. Yeah, I like it. I like it. We should. We should think about it. We should think about that. That that's not bad. I I was gonna throw something like you know like retraction, the only podcast where you you know don't have to worry about getting slapped in the morning. I don't know something like that. <laughs> the, only, the only podcast where no one's gonna walk up and slap you for listening to. I, I, how about that one? <laughs> Is that? 
I don't. Do we want to go into that? No, I feel like we don't want to go into that. I don't. I don't. I feel like we don't want to. Well, I, I actually have there's there's a there's a good opinion piece on the New York Times that I could read through, but uh, I could either save it for next time while we're a little further removed. Uh, uh, no one's gonna care next time. No one's gonna care. This is already old news. Is this? Gonna, you think this is gonna? You think this is gonna live on? Uh, probably not. Probably not, not unless they go to take that award away. I, I and they've already, they already affirmed that they're not gonna do that. Oh, so yeah, he he apologized whether you agree with his methodology or not. He, he did that, and I don't know. I, I don't think anyone cares anymore, unfortunately. Mm, yeah, assault is just like yesterday's news or battery, was, battery, from what I understand, right? It's not assault, it is battery, battery. that's correct. It's battery. Legally, legally, it's battery, but it's yeah. just easier Which for I people learned. to understand it by saying assault which is by people who even know that is, it's is assault battery. more of like a threat like i'm going to hit you and battery is actually hitting you is that i kind believe of what it I, is? I think that is the distinction but we might have to make a retraction because i it's been a long time since i've looked up the difference between the two but yeah there's a that there's a difference one the battery is more appropriate here there you go yeah i i'm exhausted from that topic i know that, that's it, the thing I, it, it's it an really, interesting distraction it's weird how fast and furious it was a, I mean, a true a true flash in the pan. It really was. Um, yeah. It, it, it just it hit and it was everywhere. And you were just inundated with memes and it just hit you over the head where like my entire YouTube feed was just the slap. It was just different versions of people talking about the exact same thing. And it, it just felt like it was it was so much that it, it almost like became rejected. Like it was like it was such an intense like, viral load. It was it collective. Just, it like killed the host. That's how I feel. Like it just killed the it killed the conversation. It killed everything about it because it was it came on too strong. I feel like people needed something to vent about collectively that mm. wasn't for once at each other. And I guess there were some people who sided with Will Smith on what he did. There, yeah, there were a few, but I mean, it wasn't it wasn't overwhelmingly. The people are like, yeah, you shouldn't go around slapping people for. <laughs> In general, this is like, you know. I mean, mean, look, I mean, children resort to violence. I don't care who you are or how you're, uh, you you even raised in terms of. I can imagine the the stress his wife cries over this. I get it. Trigger point and the emotion. I get it. There's a lot of there's a lot of trigger points, but I mean, the, the difference between an adult and a child. This is it. This is this is. I mean, what you're watching is the difference and then between even adults on and live, children. On live TV. Oh my it doesn't like, matter even if you're i know i know it i know it shouldn't matter but clearly it's like if there's someone watching you you tend to behave a little better than when there are no cameras on yeah. I, it's just like i mean i think there's elements of i, I mean i don't want to use the word it's it's not privilege per se in terms of like the way we use the racial like privilege but definitely when you when you have so much money i you definitely lose a little bit of sense of grounding in terms of your reality uh, I, I mean, there's, look, I'm not a psychologist. But you so ask, not... like, is this the first time that happened? I mean, is this really out of character? Because that's crazy to walk up to someone I mean, on he's... stage and slap them. It, it, it definitely, yeah. It, it, it's something you were categorized in the crazy, in the crazy pool. I don't like to use the word crazy, but definitely right, it's, 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 it's um, not, it's not in the norm. It's, it's not, in the it's norm. not a norm. It's a norm breaker. You don't walk around slapping. I, mean, he's, I remember there certainly years ago. He slapped a guy for trying to kiss him at a like a red carpet event in um, in Europe, I believe. Um, I remember that. That that that. Took I can a bit almost. Of, I mean, without getting myself in trouble, that's like you know, in response to. It was in response to. Uh, uh, you know, that's defense in a way. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know. If that's how most people viewed it. Yeah, I don't. I, I'd have to think about that a little more to say, like, you know, is it 
with it, it, it the appropriate amount of response or whatever you would call it. But, you know, if someone came at me, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't slap them, but uh, I don't know. I can, well, I can, under, I, I can like understand that a little more. Well, I think, I think also slapping is not a normal response for most most men in, in, in general, it's not really a, I'm, again, I'm not trying so to, trying I, I'm to just, I'm not trying to make like, I'm not making any generalizations really. I'm, I'm just saying that it's not, you don't see slapping. Slapping is not usually, uh, you know, what you see from someone who's been offended in some way, shape or form. You, you never go to a bar and necessarily, like if someone gets into a fight, it's not usually a slap fight. They don't, someone doesn't usually slap another person the in a bar. Yeah, I guess it's a warning. Yeah, but it's it's rarely used. It's 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 maybe it's it's for it, like it, a different it, class is, of. Is it like yeah? I was gonna say, is it like a gentleman thing? It, that's it, like, it I, could be. I didn't have a I didn't have a glove to take off. Um, so I'm so gonna I open sleep. hand slap you. <laughs> face. I, I actually think that what we witnessed was classes. Yeah, it was like it's like slapping might be a class thing. It might be a it it, it might be something Elon would do or uh, or Gates. Uh, it might be something with the billionaire class where they like with like practice. That, Slap hand fish or that dead fish yeah. hand where it's just like it's just like floppy and you just like slaps him and his wrist is flapping when he does it. It's, it's definitely the um, most insulting thing you could do to somebody. I don't even want to make them. light of it. I feel bad even laughing about it because you have to laugh hear about, otherwise. I know, but I hear I know everyone's like Will Smith and and Jada Pinkett Smith and the Academy. I you know has anyone asked what how how Chris Rock is feeling? I mean you know not at all. This this poor guy, his still picture post slap is plastered everywhere mm -hmm. he's the one that got hit i feel like he's given i don't even know if he wants the attention he probably doesn't but he's given like the least amount of attention on all this and he's the victim yeah um yeah. i don't even know what the appropriate response is it's like so bizarre it's a bizarre situation uh but i don't know it's i mean the dude was assaulted it i know it, it wasn't like sustained any permanent injury but he was assaulted on live television or batteried is that what he would say? Battered? battered, battered. Yeah, yeah. He was battered, battered on live battered. TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On live, like that's a terrible thing. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. The thing is, this this it's a good article on the Times. I I, I do want to read I, it. Just, <laughs> we already well, talked about it. I don't even want to. But it's not wanna, really. This is that's the thing. It's talking about it. We it's not about. It. It's ahead, not go. about it exactly. That's why I kind of like what what. Uh, what this woman tell wrote. What, tell me what the Times has to say. Okay. Um, so there's a there's Dr. I want her full name. Where is her full name? Dr. Roxanne Gay. And uh, and she wrote a piece for the New York Times called Jada Pickett Smith shouldn't have to take a joke, neither should you. And I'm just gonna read the first portion of it because I don't want to spoil the whole, a whole article, but some you guys should go check it out if you get a chance. But she writes uh, this is not, this is her, her words, this is how she starts the article. This is not a defense of Will Smith, who does not need me to defend him. Instead, this is the, a defense of thin skin. It is a defense of boundaries and being human and enforcing one's limits. It is a repudiation of the incessant valorizing of taking a joke, having a sense of humor. It is a rejection of the expectation that we laugh off everything people want to say and do to us. I think a lot about how we are constantly asked to make our skin ever thicker. Toughen yourself, we're told, whoever you are. Whatever we've been through or are going through, stop being so brittle and sensitive, lighten up. I'm not talking about the constructive criticism or accountability, but rather 
the intense scrutiny and unnecessary commentary people have to deal with when they challenge others' expectations one way or another. Who is served by all this thick skin? Those who want to behave with impunity. If the targets of derision only had thicker skin, their aggressors could say or do as they please. If we all had the thickest of skins, no one would have to take responsibility for cruelties, big or small. It's an alluring idea to some, I suppose. I think that's great. I think it's really interesting. So it made me think initially of one point, which was the insensitivity, and I'm mm -hmm. not trying to be a censor, but the insensitivity of Chris Rock's joke got completely overshadowed by Will Smith's response to that that's, joke. That's exactly right. And so that's like one thing, which is, you know, a shame in itself. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's the situation we find ourselves in. Yeah. Uh, but then her point, right? She wrote that. Yeah, she wrote this, is, Dr. Gay. You know, yeah. very, very well articulated by the way to like it was a short thing but that was loaded with a lot of well that's just the first portion i just i thought that was yeah a no i mean i'm yeah. just saying that even from that i mean it was that was really well written where within a short period of time it really un it really kind of highlighted and touched deep on the idea that yeah who is served by saying that you need a thick skin the people that are you know trying to get trying to get a laugh or right making the well, trying to harm you yes yeah in a way yeah i think that it's subjective as to what that line is because she had said i'm not talking about x y and z and i don't know you know what those lines are but i do understand i think the sentiment of the point where you shouldn't be expected to take verbal abuse in the name of humor right I don't know what that means, though. Does that mean you're free to boycott? Does that mean you're free to like? What is what is the retribution there? Well, I think I think the it's not. I, I think or is it or is it culturally like yeah. you be ostracized? Uh, like if you be if you if you if you if you are making mm -hmm. jokes that like are we trying to raise? Are we trying to are. elevate our culture? Yes, I think to that's a, what she's to a degree where to. if you're making jokes that we collectively think are insensitive. Then yeah. we will shun you until you change. That's yeah. I mean, I I don't I mean I don't think that's not what she's saying. I mean, you're saying no, that's, no, that's like I'm a way to the next step, right? Like, the next step. Do like I I agree. I, I, not, I well, I think it's I more of what like she's saying. I just don't know what you do about it. Well, I think that it's sort of like you don't give platforms to people who engage in that type of that type of humor. Is I I think it's like you you no longer invite like a, a yeah, scathing comic you can't like, write a law that's what i mean you're elevating it's not a law no it's, do, it's well it's more about like the like the academy awards they decide who comes to tell jokes at their event you, so it's like you you have to start with uh big shows like that to say like we're we're not going to engage uh comics for instance who would resort to picking on people as a form of humor uh you know we're trying going to, to compete try. with other entertainment though that's fine. Well, I'll just say you have to make a stand somewhere. It, it, there is no law. No society is going to do anything like that. No, we, but that's so what I mean is that you can't, post, so, can, can yeah. something like, can, so, can an entity like the Academy just say, we're not going to do that type of stuff anymore? That's, that's how it would start. Yeah. And, but, but then what if it's like, all right, well, you're not getting the ratings now because there's something else that's maybe not doing those jokes, but it's more entertaining. It just entertains them more. And that's the population. That's what I meant by elevating the culture well, I mean, is you, that it needs yeah. to be like, I'm just saying you could always the board. You can't, but you say you can always snowball anything, you know, it's, it's just, you always complain I don't, I don't about, agree with that. I don't know well, what I'm saying. What do you mean? No, well, I mean, let me qualify. I think anything. you, well, I would say that it's, it's akin to, you're talking about reality TV. You know, you could always have someone 
you could always push the line in terms of what reality TV should be. You could have a guy chug goat's milk, uh, spew it at someone else's face, and then have him get punched uh, off a That's cliff. Correct usage of the word spew again, by the way. Thank you. And uh, I'm just saying that that could be entertaining. That could be extremely entertaining. It doesn't mean that every show is now going to do something very similar. No, that's what I meant. It doesn't have to be another, you know, the Academy wouldn't be competing with another show with like a raunchy comic. It's 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 how it makes the the audience feel in terms of entertainment. A sports sporting event could be could compete with the raunchy comic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is, is that the population is interested in certain stuff. And if you're trying to garner their attention, you need to strike the right chord. Now, the Academy can't have a football game on stage, so they need to do whatever they can do to speak to the audience. And that's what I mean by elevating the culture. And I do mean culture as in all of us, because if you can't resonate with the audience, you're not going to get your ad dollars. You're not going to compete. Yeah. Um, and so they can go ahead and do that, but that's not really, I don't know. I mean, maybe they have that type of influence where they set, they're like fashion, right? They set the tone for the year. I don't well, know how it works. I but. feel I feel like it gives really what she's referring to. I mean, I hear what you're saying, and there's definitely issues to be hashed out with that concept in terms of, you know, the gatekeepers of, of comedy and entertainment. I, I like what she's saying, though, to sort of give permission, permission to, to people who are who have been victimized in that way that they have power to speak up and to not have to take it so that it's because I think that part of the article is more about the, well, that person, when someone can't take a joke, then it's like, Oh, well, that person is not fun. They're a wet blanket. Like that person is not really someone that we want around uh, or, or because I mean, I feel like that's, that's definitely part of the, I don't want to say it's not vitriol is too harsh a statement, but there's definitely a sense, especially in the comedic circles that Jada Pinkett is, uh, she is like a wet blanket, right? Like, like part of it, part of what pushed Will Smith to have to do this is because she's so sensitive because she can't, uh, uh, right. Cause she can't take a joke and, and she should be able to do so. She should have the, it's like, everyone can't be this sensitive. Otherwise it's like, what kind of society are we going to live in? That, that's definitely a, a very comedic, a lot of the bigger comics are, would definitely come to the defense of that to say that comedy cannot be What's restrained life, right? it's, you're, by you're people's their... personal feel. Right, you're limiting yeah, what yeah. can and can't be done. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. But but I think that that's it's it's just a good set. I think it's a good sentiment to have out there. I don't have any answers. I don't think she really. I mean, she definitely dissects and breaks down the event uh, to a very great to great detail, and it's a really good I, article. But I don't know I if anyone that's... has the ultimate answer as to what you do about it. But I do think it's good to at least come out and talk about it from the side of the victim, because again, like you said, no one's talking about Chris Rock generally, and not many people are really talking about Jada, except for the fact that she's the catalyst. It's it's all about Will's action. How what was Will's state of mind? What like why did he do what he did? Uh, but really, I think those two two different those two those two people I should say um, uh, have been sidelined in some ways. So I think that these articles are kind of interesting. The ones that are just taking it from the sideline perspectives. You know, hearing you talk, it goes back to like something that we've spoken about before around comedy and the types of jokes that people find funny and why they find them funny. And usually, the darker the humor, and dark humor's even got a even got a range or gallows humor, I think is what phrase mm-hmm. I've heard you use before. Um, yeah. But whatever it may be, uh, I think if there's a range in there, but it's a, it's, a, it's a matter of what you've been exposed to as to what you may find funny. And that can go both ways. You mm-hmm. can use that as a sense of healing that, you know, other could be like, I can't believe you're laughing at that. You went through it, but it helps you heal because you could see the humor in it. Or 
it still hurts and it's incredibly offensive or right. you you've you've seen so much or experienced so much suffering that it's just not funny mm -hmm. um whereas someone else may crack up hysterically because they really don't have any emotional attachment and they're laughing at the stereotype or whatever it may be mm -hmm. but to your point i think that talking about it may help and the more that you talk about it may raise that cultural awareness because if enough people understand that yeah you may get a few laughs but you're also going to hurt people um and you're not you know, especially when it's around a medical condition. I mean, that's that's a special that's a special thing. But mm. if you know that, you know, people with you know, I guess thin skin, how bad they actually will feel. I think nature is interesting, where there's a range of emotion. There's a range of a lot of different things. There's a spectrum to so many different facets that that make up mm. that make up nature. I guess is a way of putting it. But yeah. if you, I word it. If like. If you understand that there are, that this is just another, this is like, there's a significant portion of the population that fall into this bucket of sensitivity and that you're actually causing them more than just what you would consider harm, but like real harm. You're making them, you know, you're, they're losing sleep over this. They're dwelling on this. They're impacted yeah. uh, much longer than you ever knew. Uh, that you may think twice about cracking a joke or, or entertaining that type of joke by laughing or applauding in the future. So I think, you know, if people share more of their stories and it's less of, oh, they they were sad for about two minutes after the joke, but then they got over it. Right. If, if it goes on way beyond that, yeah. then you can kind of respect what they're actually going through. And it's not a matter of, you know, they they got embarrassed, you know, big deal, you'll get over it. It's it's much more than that. And I, I you know, I'm making a lot of assumptions in that statement, but assuming that that's kind of the area that we're going into, it's it's so much more than what people who can quote unquote take the joke may assume it is. I will add one. I will add two more things to to the sorry to I the top. there. No, no, no. That was that was good. That was good. I, I will add two more things to the conversation. Um, one, something that if we were to do like a case study is in terms of like how you move on. If we think about old SNL, for instance, you think about some of the more famous sketches, uh, which is like John Belushi as the samurai. You know, if. I don't know if anyone's thinking about what that sketch was like. I don't know when the last time you've seen that sketch would have been, but it's it's hard to laugh at. <laughs> it's no longer as funny as it like that was a famous sketch back in the uh, like late seventies, like eighties. I can't remember when John Belushi was really on SNL, but uh, you know, you look at that sketch today of like uh, a fat white guy uh, dressed up as a as a you know basically an Asian man, like a, you know doing in a samurai outfit, doing like running a hotel. Uh, talking gibberish because they they didn't have the time not the time they didn't basically feel like they needed to look up any Japanese whatsoever, uh, and uh, and and brandishing a katana and, and just slapping it around the stage, you know it it would not be in you couldn't really do that today that wouldn't be something you'd see at the Oscars or on modern SNL am I, am I wrong about that so humor does move it you know the 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 the, the goalpost does move and i don't know what about society makes it move but it does so i you think know, cultural but, elevation yeah. right well, it's go, not right. culturally so, acceptable it wasn't but again it's not like snl said oh we have to keep doing these types of sketches otherwise we're going to lose out to somebody else they just stop doing those types of sketches and everyone sort of moves on so there is precedent i guess is what i'm trying to say throughout humor to how we move on in terms of our society the so she's right to write the article right i mean mm -hmm. and then the yeah. other people need to do it and i think the conversation just needs to continue and it needs to be called out by those yeah. advocates that are aware of it that are sensitive to the issue enough to say like hey this is a teachable moment um, so that yeah. the rest of us can start catching on. 
I had the second point I was going to make on that because that, that's true too. But I think that people have forgotten that Chris Rock back in maybe the early aughts did a documentary about black women in hair. I think it's called Good Hair. I, I remember I watched it. I think I was like in high school at the time. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this documentary, but basically he sort of ex- explores the sensitivity on how society treats natural hair and especially how like the pressure of black women to conform by either straightening or making their hair appear to, you know, something that's more aesthetically pleasing to a Caucasian audience. And, and that's the whole premise of the documentary is just talking about the history of African hair through history and then how it, how it's impacted uh, in, in modern society. So it's, it, it is interesting to have someone who would take the time to make that kind of documentary then pointedly, you know, make fun of a black woman's, lack of hair <laughs> at a major award Unless show. He's the that's type interesting of comedian that says that there's no limits you know yeah. there are well, no, I'm just saying, i mean yeah. there are some people because mm-hmm. there are some people who um that i've heard i don't know mm-hmm. these people but i've heard them talk about it um you know outside of their stand-up mm-hmm. where they have people of certain ethnicity or sexual orientation in their life but they still make those jokes uh and not because mm-hmm. they don't support them they love them they're very close to them but they make those jokes because I don't know. I don't know why they make the jokes, but they still do. Hmm. Um, and it's almost they use it as their defense. Like, oh, I, you know, no, I'm not against this segment of the population. Um, in, in fact, I care deeply about them and they will do goodwill for them and stuff like that. But they still make jokes like that. And it's not everyone. But I'm not a racist. My doorman's black. Not, you know, I'm not, I'm not even I'm not even going to phrase it that way. I, I knew that, you know, I knew that's probably what it sounded like I was implying. But like even like if one of their relatives was or something, yeah, even a yeah. sibling. Um, yeah. So. I don't know why they do that stuff um, for the sake of the craft. I mean, I don't know. I'm not in that world. I don't, Yeah, it's not my profession, mm-hmm. but it's not unheard of is what I'm saying. Like the, you're, you're raising the point was, I can't believe he's doing that. If he did a documentary on it, I don't know if it's hand in hand where, like I had said before, just because you're aware of something, you know, it could go either way. You could either find the humor in it, or you could be sensitive to a point where it's not funny to you. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I think it's just kind of everyone's life experience that brings you to one of those points. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not an expert in this area. Yeah. Well, I mean, few are, but doesn't stop everyone from talking about it. And uh, by the time this airs, I'm sure everyone's going to, I'm definitely not titling anything in the episode about this because everyone's going to be sick to death of it. Uh, I know you had something big. I don't know how much time we have left. God, don't build it up. Don't build it up. um, All right. Well, you wanted to do it. Sure. I mean, I came across this topic. It was um, disturbing when mm-hmm. I when I came across it, and I wanted to raise awareness about it for anyone that might not be aware. Mm-hmm. Um, the title, or the not the title, because it's not a title of anything, but it's basically the gist of it is how prejudice affects missing and murdered Indigenous women. And okay, it's, all right, this is a big big topic. Big big topic might need a part two. Well, yeah, go go on. Stop me along the way. Um, but I'll start with a very brief, true story. Okay. In California, 2018, two bodies, male and female, were found shot dead in a wooded area. The police didn't tell the mother of the female that her daughter had been murdered. She actually found that out from the family of the male victim. Um, when the mother went down to the police station to confirm her daughter's death, uh, the police uh, asked her if her daughter was on drugs or living as a transient. The mother 
being distraught, was understandably upset by this line of questioning and demanded that they find out who murdered her daughter. Three years later, again, started in, this was in 2018, three years later, the murders are still unsolved. Uh, police cite a lack of evidence to move forward, but the mother claims that the murder scene was left unsecured. So just kind of an opening to set the stage. Okay. Now, the victimization rate for Native women is deeply, deeply troubling. On reservations, they are murdered at 10 times the rate the national average. But 95% of those victims weren't, were not covered by the media, even though there are plenty of materials like videos that could have been shared. Despite 71% of Natives living in urban areas, research is missing on rates of murder for Native women living in urban areas for reasons that we'll get into soon. In Wyoming alone, 710 ind Indigenous people were reported missing from 2011 to 2020. Although Indigenous people make up only 3% of the state's population, they accounted for more than 21% of homicide victims over the last decade. Wow. Okay. Right? That's like stark. That's stark. Yeah. Now, this crisis isn't new. It's been going on for hundreds of years, from the early colonial days, extending to slavery, land seizure, forced removal, massacres, methodical murders, like those of the Osage. If, any, if anyone um, is interested, that is a terrifying story. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon is a book that I read on it that covers it well, if anyone wants to go check that out. Again, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, and even during the gold rush, where two out of three California Indians were killed in the first two years after the gold rush. In fact, despite all of these alarming numbers, indigenous murders are actually being underreported due to prejudices and stereotypes, both on an individual level, but also systemically. When trying to report a missing person, officers often tell families that they'll pr they probably just ran away, or they've been out drinking, or ask if they do sex work, like what that happened with that mother before. Mm -hmm. Additionally, a 2018 report found that law enforcement database databases often. No, that, that's that's an interruption, but that's such a ridiculous, like it's a ridiculous question. It well, how does that even if someone does? It's not. It's not just that it's insulting, but even if someone is doing sex work, does that mean that you no longer have a judicial like prerogative to find their murder and solve a murder? Like, it's, is it be is it because you've chosen to do a profession that you have a moral? Uh, well, it's like that thing, if you against... didn't dress that way, if you didn't dress that way, you wouldn't get accosted or something, right? Like it's right. It's, so it's like, means what, that we don't have so to do anything okay. about it, right? Exactly. No, that's a really great point. It's like it's like well, how you why bother asking that question? It doesn't. Are even you matter. asking it because now you know where to go look, or are you asking it because it gets lower priority, a lower priority? Like, exactly. Oh, well, exactly. Well, never you would, find them right. anywhere. Well, you would think that yeah, if they're asking it as part of the investigation in order to go find them, you know they. Well, whatever. That that's clearly that's no. Not I, why have a, I have. It. It's clearly not happening. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of being a little facetious. There. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not why they're. I mean, doing it was raised an interesting point. That, like, I feel like I could see a, you know, a DA sort of like defaulting to that. But like, that's that's it's a, it's a crock of crock crock of frack crock of yeah, frack. It's 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 cruel. It's cruel. I can't imagine. I just can't imagine, you know, your, your child's gone missing. You heard from a family friend or a friend of your child that, you know, the worst has happened. And then you go to the police station and that's how they greet you. It's, uh, I don't know, that's like another level. It's but cruel. Yeah, it's completely cruel. It's cruel. Yeah. Um, so additionally, 
2018 report found that law enforcement databases often default victims to white and race is rarely entered in or it's guessed based on looks and that Native American families often have to fight for accurate classifications because someone mistook their American Indian or Alaskan relative for another race. So if they can't figure it out, they either, it either the system itself defaults to white, which is mm-hmm. interesting, it doesn't default to like none, and then you're forced to choose something. It just defaults to white. So if you're lazy or whatever, you just skip over it, and that's how everything gets categorized, which is, it's crazy. As someone who works with data, and you mm-hmm. do too, Antoine, to yeah. default to something like that. I mean, it's you're just it's lazy. The data is it's bogus. It's, well, just, it's like, just well, you can't garbage in, garbage out. It and, also makes sense why you're not solving any crimes. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, you could probably start picking apart the whole procedure, the the yeah, the, the way that they do their procedural for their investigating, and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you can't get your data correct in terms of like categorizing the people accurately that you need to find, how are you going to find them? That's also part of it. So. Well, that's a point of, I mean, all right, you don't know the race. Well, there's yeah. something you need to go figure out. Yeah, by talking like, to the people. You're a detective. Yeah, like, doing, go doing figure work. that part out. You don't just say, I guess they're white or I guess they're whatever based on their looks. Right. And then um, I'm going to, you know, that'll that'll guide my line of questioning now. It, mm. It's like how, I, I just, I mean, what is going on? That's insane to me. Uh, again, as someone who also is like- somewhat of, of a strategist where you have to, you know, you have to investigate even in, even in my like corporate life, you, Mm -hmm. to to make an assumption like that and allow that to guide you knowing full well that it will lead to nowhere or, or a outright incorrect out output out answer. It's just, you know, it's a waste. Not to, yeah, not to disparage high schools out there, but I, I believe the average like education requirement for a police officer in much of the country is a high school diploma. Not that not to say that you know that there aren't smart cops. Yeah, so. but they're not even they're not the ones writing the guidelines or creating these um, uh, interfaces for the databases. I yeah, mean, but they're the ones who. Yeah, but the, you still have to make the decision to buy into a certain type of like to buy the program from a particular company that is offering it to you. And so I'm saying if you're, it depends on your critical thinking skills as to what kinds of software you're going to adopt and to believe that this will be the best type of software to help you solve crimes and do your job and again i'm not out here trying to take yeah, no, I hear you. police I, officers I hear but clearly you. We're, we're talking about you know an article that is that is already saying that the police work is subpar substandard when it comes to uh investigating these types of crimes I mean, so just like the bedside manner of it all i mean yeah, this well, mother is yeah. You know, and it's and that was one. I mean, the article I pulled that from was a Natio article. That that one initial mm-hmm. um, example, and the article was just listing, you know, just example after example of completely uh, different families and instances across the country yeah. where these things were happening. It's just like, it's, okay. what a terrible thing. But um, so all right, go, go on. Ahead. Yeah, no, no, I'm saying go on. So on top of this, there's a jurisdiction jurisdictional issue at play as well when natives are involved. The FBI, U.S. attorneys, tribal police, and Indian affairs often have to debate for days as to who's actually taking the lead and who has jurisdiction in these cases. And in the meantime, all that precious time is lost. Now, in missing persons, that stuff matters. Um, and so there's never a clear rule or line as to who owns what. There's, it's like, it's almost, I don't want to say it's arbitrary, but it seems like it's up to interpretation. It's up for, deba- uh, mm. up for debate. Um, 
and they that have, disorganization in the article do they have the average because i feel like from tv or something I, i'm definitely getting this from television where they they're usually like we don't find someone in the first 72 hours you know no so there's not child or like yeah I, I heard like 48 hours after 48 yeah, hours yeah. the, the, yeah, the yeah. percentages go down and i feel like yeah, that's from yeah detective shows and stuff okay. like that um okay no it doesn't go into that type of information i'm sure i could have easily found it but okay. I, that wasn't the type of i just just I quick question i just wasn't sure but okay. no i mean it, it definitely it well to that point though it called it out i mean it called it out that the jurisdiction and even if you go on the government website where it kind of covers this under indian affairs the bureau of indian affairs they call out that this is one of the challenges and that it wastes valuable time so if it cites that days are being lost because of this and that is impacting the effectiveness of solving cases, then yeah. I mean, that kind of reasoning checks out that days matter here. Um, so uh, 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 another stat, in total, there are approximately 4,200 missing and murder cases that have gone unsolved and they remain unsolved due to a lack of investigative resources. Again, 4,200. But experts say that number is likely much, much higher. Simply put, this segment of the population is overlooked and underfunded, which you know probably isn't news to anyone, but this doesn't get a lot of airtime. So then I was like, well, that's all terrible. You know, what's going on? Like, what's going on today? So this is what's been recently done. In September 2020, Congress passes the Savannah, Savannah's Act, a bill that requires the Department of Justice to strengthen training, coordination, data collection, and more in cases um, uh, and more in cases related to a murdered or missing Native Americans. Later that year, October 2022, next month actually, um, uh, Congress passed the Not Invisible Act to increase intergovernmental coordination to identify and combat violent crime within Indian lands and of Indians. This is interesting. It's worth noting that implementation of this act didn't start until April 2021. I didn't realize yeah. it took that long. Mm. Like that's that, that seemed long to me. Now, maybe it isn't in, I don't know how things work, but it was passed in October 2020 and didn't start. Not like fully implemented. It didn't start to be implemented until April 2021. But I guess there's things that need to be sourced and organized. I, I mean, I, I guess I, I feel like every every two three months I complain about the marijuana legislation in Jersey that the <laughs> that was passed back in 2020, November oh, 2020. <laughs> yeah. So. so I'm just saying. I mean, this is much more serious. But I'm just government. Yeah, this is the the big lambast of government is that everything is red tape and takes forever to to actually get fully up and running for some reason. So, anyway. yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, in 2021, the Biden administration created the Missing and Murdered Unit within the Bureau of Indian Affairs. In March 2022, Congress passed sort of very recently, like two weeks ago, um, Congress passed the Violence Against Women Act. Re or I'm sorry, yeah, the Violence Against Women Act Reauthorization Act. Um, which among other things, and I'm just, there was a bunch of stuff that this stuff covered. I was actually impressed with how comprehensive it was, but I'll pull out the ones that are germane to this conversation. Um, expands the jurisdiction of tribal courts to cover non-native perpetrators on tribal lands, which is like crazy that that wasn't a thing before. Um, included an executive order for government agencies to address the epidemic of missing and murdered indigenous peoples, which was super vague. I was reading through it and just like, didn't really get granular, but 
I don't know. Um, uh, and relaunched the US's leadership and participation in a trilateral working group on violence against indigenous women and girls with the governments of Mexico and Canada. So these are promising developments, but this epidemic is still happening today. That mother is still tormented every day and more go missing every day. So much still needs to be done, like addressing indigenous children in foster care and improving economic opportunity and public transportation in rural indigenous communities so they can be safer and prosperous and start eliminating this organically. But that's kind of it. Um, that's, that's, that's what I have to say on it. I'll post, it was, you know, a bunch of different resources that uh, went into that. I will post them in, in promotion of this, but if anyone listening has anything to add, if I got anything wrong, apologies, please correct me. If I've missed anything, apologies, please add, and we'll definitely rehash it on uh, an upcoming episode. But I just, um, I didn't understand the stats. Um, all of this seems to be second to um, African-American women um, and what they go through, but yeah. it's still a segment that doesn't get much play. So I wanted to make sure that I raised it. Yeah. Uh, but the more that I read about this, and again, read through the articles that are posted, do research on your own and read your own stuff. It's, it's scary. And again, I, when I read that book um, about the Osage Indians, now that did happen some time ago, but um, it's kind of insane when you think about how they've been treated throughout our history but then how they were treated relatively recently and the systematic murdering and how it was just covered up and how the government and and local municipalities handled it. It was, I didn't understand that stuff like that was happening. Um, you could kind of understand if someone was to tell you and you're like, wow, but to actually read through the story and then do your, do your own reading on subsequent supplementary articles, it was just, uh, it kind of brought it to life. And then I guess, you know, you kind of apply it to your own life to some degree and you're like, I can't imagine. So I don't know. Wanted to do my part. No, it's really cool. I I I really didn't know much about this at all. So this is one person who's learned, and uh, yeah, it's important. This is that yeah that that's that's. A, <laughs> I mean, I don't have anything to say because I'm kind of in shock. I mean, I'm, I shouldn't be in shock based on just everything we know about how this country does not like to own up to its original sins. Um, you know, so this is just another one of them, and that's that's incredible. But it's not even that's the thing it's like you can't even start with a light like well at least congress has passed stuff and things are starting to move but it's like i'm sure there's gonna be so much more that needs to be done uh that you're not gonna realize because it's that's the problem with government government has to get faster and and i always say it's an intentional it's intentional it's intentional in terms of the way that government moves slow it's like government doesn't have to move slow government moves slow because people gut government so that way they could they could have their own talking points about saying that you know look how ineffective government is it's like well of course it is ineffective it's because you stop funding various departments that would have made it effective it's like we we cut it and then we complain about it bleeding it's like well you know you you, you got to stop this bleeding you got to fund it you got to make it healthy we don't have a very healthy government in general so i mean this is definitely uh, a symptom. This is a part of that unhealthiness, that, of that illness in terms of our government, that it takes so long to make action on things that are so incredibly important that you can see is a, is a, is a massive oversight that needs to be corrected yesterday. And instead you're, you're there like three, two years, you know, in the, in the middle of it, still trying to sort things out, which is, it, it's just, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible, really. 
Um, so at least there's some movement, but that's the thing. It's like, well, you, you're going to find, you're going to start things. You're going to figure out that there's still other things that need to be done. And that's going to take another four or five years to get anyone's attention back on the issue. Because we, the other thing we love to do is we love to say something's done and dusted. We got the legislation out. We moved on. We've solved racism. We've solved the crimes against indigenous people with another act. Uh, and then a generation will come back to say, oh, well, actually, maybe we didn't solve this. Maybe there's more that needed to be done. And it's like 10, 15 years later. So to your point, you that's, know, that's my done little now. addition to it. It's done now. And it's going to take time to roll it out. And right. it take four or five years, and then a new administration comes in and rolls it. Rolls and it back. Rollbacks. Yes. Well, that that's another what? problem with our with our back and forth. Yeah. I mean that that's definitely uh, and always a risk in terms of the way that. But the thing is, that's why this is good. It's not an executive order. It takes a lot more. There was one in there to roll but back, the, oh. but the bulk of it wasn't. But there was right. one that wasn't, and that's the one that important. I said that was vague, and I didn't really understand it. But okay. Um, it's just you know. And I don't know, I was trying to think about this. I really was. Because other than like racism, and I'm not trying to downplay that factor at all, mm -hmm. but how are these segments of the population just so seemingly systematically underserved? And I don't know, like, I don't know. I don't know if you can help me understand. And, I, and I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Is it by design is it because they're clustered around populations who are just underserved in themselves like uh, or geographical locations because a lot of this stuff is rural like is there more to it than racism because i'm trying to figure out like all right well, how, how not that i have the power to solve anything but i i want to understand like how this can be solved and is it a matter of just don't be racist anymore and everything will be better or is there something more to it like why is it that this segment of the population and and to be fair other segments of the population are underserved why is it that you can look at murder rates nationally but then when you start carving them up by ethnicities or races or geographic locations they can be 10 times the national average yeah. that's insane to me that there would be that trend you would hope that when you carved up the data like that there would be no trend it would just be like oh, it, it's aligned with the national average but when you see numbers jump 10 times like what is that and is it it, it can it just be explained as racism that they're picking them out in urban locations to say, I'm not going to help you, but I'm going to help you. Or is it they're all clustered in a rural area that there's racism, but there's also a lack of infrastructure and economic opportunity. And it's all of these things that are at play. Cause I did cite those, those things were cited in articles and I mentioned that at the end of my thing, but like, is it a mix of things? Like I am just trying to understand, you know, is it by design? Is it organic? Is it a mix of both? How do we get to a place where a port, a segment of our population is suffering at 10 times the national average? It's all of the above, which I knew you knew I was going to say, but it is, <laughs> but really is, it's everything. And, and it's also media coverage as well, because part of the pressure, and again, it's because there's, there's, some things are 95%, 95% of them not covered by media. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that, and that does, that's not surprising because the media is going to promote what will get them ratings, which is sort of, you know, that's if, a, if a that's young a thing, why is that? Yeah. Why is that? But, ratings? But that's ratings. Yeah. I mean, if a young blonde college student in Utah is kidnapped, putting her picture up on the air and having that run, will get you more eyeballs, more ratings, and more people that have cable TV identifying and wanting to either call in or talk about it than an indigenous person or a minority 
uh, will get that kind of play. That that's part of it as well. Is that they're just not, the media is not as likely to cover it, and and because the media is not as likely to cover it, there's less. Is that court. tested? Is that tried and true? I mean, oh I, yeah, I mean, there's are, data on that. Yeah, there's definitely data. I mean, I I, I didn't come prepared recently, I mean, <laughs> to bring I, that again, kind of data, with, but there is data. Ele- with cultural elevation, you brought back like the SNL skit, right? Is the mm-hmm. data old? I mean, do they test that out? And they're like, we ran another indigenous missing girl thing. And, you know, Nielsen rating said well, no. Yeah, and that's I mean, from 2000 to 2021. I mean, it's, it's just it's, and, it's and more then, about and the then public conversation at that point. And then who cares? I mean, yeah. if you're going to force anything, we're talking about forcing it over the, the slap. But if you're going to force anything, it should be over stuff like this. I mean, these are these are human beings. Never and again, mind, the people who make these decisions taxpayers. have their own prejudices in terms of what they feel. That's the other thing. It's 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 not an exact science in terms of you're right it's not like it's all about the nielsen rating because if you push something enough and you get into the story and you work hard enough you could probably make something as popular as something else it's just about what is your natural inclinations in terms of your natural gut as to what you want to run and then what people have just come to normalize is what they're expected to see and care about but but you can change that perception you could absolutely change it it's it's just going to take some time work and energy. And the thing is, people often do the easiest thing. They want to do the thing of least resistance. So you just continue what you've always done, which is white people go missing. That's more of a story than if minorities go missing. And the thing is, it gets even worse. I mean, you, it's, you didn't quote anything about like trans or LGBTQ, but when you start getting to those figures, even among minorities, that starts to jump. So like a trans woman of color compared to just a woman of color, those numbers are way, it, it just goes way out of the uh, out of stratosphere in terms of those, those, those rates of disappearances and murders. So yeah, yeah. You I, say? Well, and, that's, and that's another thing when I was, because everyone's doing rates, right? And I know that the smaller mm-hmm. the data set you have, the more thrown off the rates could be, right? Sure. Like, you're right, like three yeah. out of four isn't the same as 50 out of 2000. 2000. Right? Yeah. But so when you're getting the, the car, this further and further you carve down of the, but you're also I'm doing, not, but you're I, doing I, the I, rates of that population. So you're, you're trying to say of like trans women in general, how many of them are being murdered and that it's that, that gets really high that that's where you're looking at it in terms of that. Cause you can't do it in terms of like the overall general population. Cause that is yeah, an incredibly yeah. tiny statistic, but then if you're going to say there's, there's like 50 trans women and then 40 of them have been murdered. It's like, yeah, 40 out of 3000 women, but 40 out of 50, that's a ridiculous, that that becomes like a ridiculous statistic that you're like, wow, what is I know, happening? And, I, and my, my question kind of goes back to like, why is that? Like, is there just some, I mean, is it by design? Is it coincidence? And it can't be coincidence. We cannot, yeah, we can't answer, but, but it, it, it's not coincidence. No, like, no, it's not at all. It's again, it's, it, it's every system is working against these statistics every system that we have in place currently in our society in terms of the way that the legal system works because again i go back to this all the time da's are elected positions these are not appointed they're not just given to someone to do as you like it's it's a position that you well hold on am i uh, Is it, are DAs, DAs run. Yeah, they run for office. I know they do. So, I mean, maybe I have to do a retraction on that. I'm pretty sure they do. Uh, but yeah, it's the more you have elected positions, the more likely they're going to just go with the majority of the voters. And the thing is, a lot of these communities are just not represented in 
the in, in the representative system that we have for those areas. You have indigenous populations, but they're so small compared to the overall population of the area that they might be covered in terms of a representative that you just don't have as many indigenous congressmen or indigenous senators, for instance, to actually start shining a light and saying these are issues. Instead, you have to so have it's a representation grass- issue. Yeah, too. well, part of it, yeah, representation in government. Yeah, well, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like it's every literally. It's like a you have to think of our system like a pulley kind of thing, where it's like it's got or what is that? Um, there's actually a really good name for those devices that have a lot of uh, not pulleys in them, but you know the, the devices with a lot of turns. They, I'm not making any sense in terms of that, but my point is our system has a my system our, our system has a lot of locks and keys, and every time you open a door, another one closes, and you just have to keep opening doors, and it gets very. It, the system is by design makes it difficult to continually open doors, and that's the problem that we have in this country. Mm. It's frustrating. Yeah, it really is, and it, the, the the frustrating part is that people are hurting right now. And they'll continue to hurt until it changes. And it's easy to get frustrated and just say, I can't think about this right now. I want to move on to something else. And um, people are suffering in the meantime. And they've been suffering. And then you have that generational suffering where they tell stories about suffering. And it just, it's so toxic. It's not, you know, I, I, I don't know what else to add. A Rube Goldberg machine. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Who's who? That's not a thing. <laughs> yes, it no is. No one uses that. No one uses that in common language, though. What do you yes, well, it's I, well, 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 you were gonna cite it. It's like, what's that machine called? Yeah, well, like, I just, nobody. I've never, I've never heard of anyone use that in an analogy or. Well, look, you're about to learn something. Everyone's about to learn something. A Rube so Goldberg. What do you have, like, is that on like a piece of toilet paper? Do you have like word of the day toilet paper? A Rube. Goldberg machine, named after American cartoonist Rube Goldberg, is a chain reaction type machine or contraption intentionally designed to perform a simple task in an indirect and impractical, impractically overly complicated way. Usually these machines consist of a series of simple unrelated devices. The action of each trigger, the action of each triggers the initiation of the next, eventually resulting in achieving a stated goal. I know exactly what it is. I've never heard of that name. What, this is from the 80s because every 80s movie was all mechanical with stuff, whether it was uh, Goonies or whatever it was. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. They all had these elaborate ways, very simple tasks and mechanisms. It was used in print to describe elaborate contraptions by 1928. So it's a relatively old oh, wow. concept. So, so it's been around, but yeah. yeah interesting but it's All just right, yeah well, it's something you know so now you now you know that's what i was referring our I'll government never remember that i our will government, never remember that rube 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 goldberg machine r-u-b-e r-u-b-e goldberg yeah that's it got it yeah goldberg. that's our government right. <laughs> in a nutshell i mean that is that is interesting a way to put it yeah um yeah. i have something light and quick i don't know yeah sure shoot can... yeah why not <clears throat> Um, not to just have an abrupt pivot. Yeah, I was well, just maybe not to end on such a like, oh. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I thought of you for this. It's a thought experiment. Shoot. I have honestly no idea what you're going to think about it. So don't shoot the messenger. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, I'll just get into it. University of Arkansas studies show that scaring someone by using stories of injustice or forcing them to contemplate their own death temporarily turns liberals into conservatives on issues like capital punishment, abortion, and gay rights because they felt vulnerable. 
They condition the mind to feel vulnerable, then take a survey and their opinions move closer to those of the conservative controlled control group. It's actually a name for this. It's a thing. It's called defensive conservatism. Mm. Yeah. Likewise, Yale studies show that you can temporarily turn a conservative into a liberal now this by is having them by having them visualize themselves as Superman. Imagine imagining what it's like to fly, be bulletproof, and falling without getting hurt. Once the conservative mind was conditioned to feel safe, they took a survey and their beliefs aligned closer to liberals. In each experiment, the control group took the surveys without the conditioning and their opinions remained unchanged. Um, and so the experiments basically are showing that fear can make someone conservative. And if you make them feel safe, they lean liberal. And I can, when I was reading this, and this mm -hmm. wasn't in the article, this is my own kind of edition, I can almost see this in times of war and peace that show this on a much larger scale, what societies are willing or not willing to do. And so that was my thing. I don't know what your thoughts on it. That's like the whole thing. That's a thought experiment. In a it, makes a lot, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. It, it, it makes so, it, it, I mean, there are, there are already concepts that uh, when, we when we discuss racism, such as the concept of resource guarding, which is usually attributed to conservative ideology in that if you give something to someone else, you're taking it away from me. And so that that would speak to that idea of safety. So it's like, if you feel safe and invulnerable, then you're more willing to give, right? That, that That's sort of what that is. And that, that it's interesting that you could turn a liberal more conservative by making them feel, yeah, again, like, like they're, like they're more vulnerable. It's interesting. So therefore they want to resource guard. They want to guard to make sure that they can have as much as possible because they, they feel on the edge. It's, it's also really interesting to apply that study to the boom of liberalism, which is on the back of the end of fascism. So the end of World War II, people are feeling safer because Hitler no longer exists. You, you felt incredibly vulnerable during a war. And so when you're comparing, you know, that's the thing, whether you're rich, poor, or what have you, your prior existence was I could be killed any day under this, this World War II, under the fascist regime and the invasion of a, of a despot. And now that, that you've removed it, you've got all this liberalism. Europe goes liberal. America puts in liberal ideology. Everyone starts crafting society based on liberal liberal ideas. Just like my war and peace example, right? Oh, like well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Say, yeah, you felt safe. It's like comparatively, you no longer feared for your life every day. So you're like, give it all away. Let's just share it all. Like, let's share love. You know, that that's interesting. It's really interesting. And, and not to put you on the spot, but I thought yeah. of you as well when I was thinking of that and that. You know, you have folks that are very anti-violence or anti-war, but there's a limit, right? I mean, there's a limit. Even when we were talking about Ukraine, yeah, where you were right. like, I'm starting to I'm starting to see or understand, you know, the need or necessity to right. for force uh, because there is a limit. And I think that that's a reasonable thing, right? You, you know, you're going to defend yourself. Um, but then to extend that defense to someone that you're not even connected to another country is interesting. But um I just, I found it, I mean, to be honest, I was surprised at, like when I talked about the uh, liberal to conservative, when I talked about capital punishment, abortion, gay rights, I tried to get into what the actual questions were. I couldn't find it, but like, I was wondering, you know, how do you shift on those things based on like fear of your own death or stories? I wish they published those questions because that would be very interesting to, to because know the I was types like, of what questions because I, I can't imagine. 
and they don't talk about to what degree people shifted only that there was a a measurable shift so i'd be usually curious. in normal conversation you could i can get someone to shift if i want to by posing scenarios for their children usually that's how it would work mm-hmm. uh you, that's how i would turn a liberal conservative is usually when you go after the kids and you say well how would you feel if your kid had to do this to go to school or that and then all of a sudden and they... antoine would gla- gladly sacrifice them to the slaughter well <laughs> well for the greater good for the greater good <laughs> the greater good uh yeah something something to that effect or yeah usually their loved ones or someone's family usually try to point a point a scenario that would adversely affect them and they usually will flip um, that's the conservative line you always hear even if i argue with like friends or family they'll always pose like well what would you do if it was me and i'm like you, you know i will let you die uncle fred <laughs> <laughs> the greater good Come to the shed and I'll answer your question. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I there it is. Was, there it is. The more personal yeah. you get, the more conservative people get. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And then it would almost lend you to say, all right, well, if we can all agree that if resources were unlimited, that the world would be, you know, some liberal utopia, um, because that's usually like the fantasy that's thrown out there. We don't live in that world. Well, what amount of, let's do the exercise of, all right, what resources would it take to make you feel safe? What you individual, what makes you feel safe? Okay, how can we get that for you? Therefore, would you be less stingy, less conservative uh, for to help other people as long as your needs were being met? Someone else's needs, it may be a little different because they're at a different stage in life or prosperity or whatever it may be. Can they get something else even though you don't get it? Would you care so much that some of your taxes go towards that? Is that is that what it is? Is that really all it is? Is that you are currently not being looked after in a certain way or aspect of your life. Therefore, you refuse to let anyone else be helped, even if theirs is more of a critical need than yours, because it's, you feel like you're not getting yours. I think you, I mean, you, you raise you raise the crux of the problem, but I think you you've limited the scope. You it's generational that's the other problem it's not just that because you could frame that with people who are very secure people who are wealthy people who have nothing who want for nothing but the idea that you could insult their ancestors or insult like let's say their their father was was dirt poor and he had to scrape and the idea that you could insult his legacy by just giving something away to modern like to giving it away now when my parents didn't have it that's usually where it comes from it's so that's like saying it's generational usually that's like saying that's like saying i just paid off my student loans therefore i'm not going to vote for anything that says that that is said all the time and that is one of the biggest roadblocks to student loan forgiveness is everybody out there who actually paid off their loan but then to my point i mean i can't i can't help the dead ancestor but then to that point all right anyone who's paid it off within x within the last decade you're going to get X amount of dollars as a consolation. That's what you'd have to do. Yeah, you would absolutely have to do something like that because you're never going to get those people on board. But the thing is, for a lot of people, it's never going to be enough because they've got the trauma. They have the trauma of never having left their parents' house, having to live at home for seven years, just trying to pay those loans off. Like that trauma is- So it is, never is, ends? Is, it so never gonna, ends. You're going you're gonna to gift that to your kids? Yeah, and you or, will or, gift or that to your kids. Or your nieces or nephews yeah. or 
or kids. Yeah, you'll friends. regale them with stories on how hard your life was before you made it, and and they they will take that trauma into their life and into their ideology, and it will shape the way that they view the world. That's that's how it, that's literally how it works. That's why we have so many problems today. Is because you, that's it's not about to say I suffered. It is. It is a mental I illness. I want you to suffer. That's exactly what it is. It is a mental illness, actually. And I think I wish that we did talk. We framed every conversation about history, and I wish we put slavery. I wish we put. Uh, world wars, any kind of stuff like in terms of it, it, in framing it in this way, because that, that's kind of what it is in terms of how people are internalizing it and how they're approaching these these topics. They're not taking it as it is today. They're taking it with all the weight of everything they've learned from their parents and all the things that their parents learned from their parents. And if there's a lot of struggle and a lot of pain, they don't want other people to have it easy. They don't. Because they feel like Almost you like should have that pain. You should that pain will make you better because I got the better. Can't for be it. the jury. I mean, in that sense, right? I mean, yeah. you you. How are you making sound decisions if your justification is I suffered? And the thing is, the world is about suffering, and then that's that's a problem. Yeah, it takes a lot. To, that's the thing. You have to have the type of reprogramming to let people know that you suffered and it's a shame you suffered and you shouldn't have had to suffer, but it doesn't mean other people should have to suffer too. That's where you have to get to. If you can't get there, then you're never going to get liberal policies passed. You have to get to a level where people are allowed to embrace their suffering, express it, have other people uh, sort of give their empathy to the fact that you had suffered and then, but also talk about why that should never have occurred. And then explain why you should not have other people have to go through what you've gone through. And then, and then also help that person. Yeah. Help that person come to a restitution where they can make peace with their past and therefore they can move on. Forgiveness, forget, forgive society. You have to, you have to frame it in that that way. That's the thing is it's most people harbor this anger in such a way and do not get the forum, do not get the platform to express that anger. And so instead it comes off as exactly Instead, it just comes off as I'm just voting for a guy who will not do loan forgiveness. And nobody ever talks to that person and say, why are you so angry about loan forgiveness? It never gets that far. They just say, well, those people need to work harder. And you'll go to the, what, what happened to you? What, what, like, tell me, tell me your story. What, what, what happened? Like, what was it about your life that made you feel that you need to now impress upon this sort of arduous uh, indentured servitude onto others? Like, what, like what, what did the, how did how the much, government fail you? How much and, easier it would have been? If you never had to do that. Think about what what, all the things that you you that could you have done at a cop. Exactly. Like you, the thing is, as as far as you think you've come, you would be further. And that's another thing people don't understand. As far as you think you're getting based on the struggle, if you hadn't had to struggle, you'd be further than where you are right now. Your kids would be richer and you would be richer because you would have had to waste all that time getting from underneath a burdensome debt that you didn't realize you signed up for and that, that it's it's just perpetuating and that's the problem with our society that's everything sad. is perpetuating that's, that's and that's so why I don't, i'm not sure we'll ever truly get out of it because you it, we have to have forums where people can talk about their pain and we have to get to a point in our society where that's a a normative measure where everyone is out there basically getting therapized you know being able to talk out you know like should that be should that be like uh part of your um like, I don't know if I, 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 I don't go to the doctor as much as I should in terms of annual checkups, I know, but should that be part of your annual checkup, but you go for your physical or whatever it may be, but then you get like, not like maybe a psych evaluation. I was going to say not like a psych evaluation because even just saying it, I felt like there was a negative connotation to it, a negative association, yeah. but it, that should be somewhat normalized. Yeah. Like to, 
I don't know if that's maybe that's too narrow of a scope, but just something along the lines of, yeah, like. Well, I mean, it comes from. I mean, look, you, you, I, I actually should that service be offered as. The thing is, you can offer it, and then if there's negative connotation to it, no one's going to take it up. So you just got a lot of therapists sitting around in offices, like you know, it's the same thing with like uh, the therapist for doctors or or police officers, like no one wants to go see them by the, you know, it's like, you have to be mandated. You have to have like discharged your gun and killed somebody in order to be mandated to now seek a therapist. And it's sort of like, well, it's kind of too late, you know, well, it's like to start it, unpacking I mean, you know, at that point. Not to, not to give your work any more power over you than they already have, but um, you're, I get um, like uh, money if I go to do um, like a health check, get my blood work done, measure my cholesterol, all that That's stuff. the way to do get, it. You want to do incentives. Like 500 bucks. Yeah, you want to do incentives. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I always talk about that as well in terms of government. Like when you talk about this, good legislation, bad legislation, good legislation always has perks. Bad legislation doesn't. It's never negative. You need to give people incentives to want to do the right thing. You want people to promote, let, promote uh, pollute less or you want them to buy electric cars. The electric cars have to be cheaper than oil than gas cars. You know, you have to do things like that. You have to subsidize the industries in that way in order to get people to adopt them. It's the same thing with therapy. If you wanted more people to get therapy, then you have to give them something for it. Either you have to, and however you want to justify it. You want to say if someone who is therapized has less cardiovascular issues, like from a health, from like the medical system, and therefore you want to promote it to say like if people who are getting regular therapy, therefore are less drained in terms of having like high like risk of heart attack or something of that nature. And then you want to kick them back some dollars. Like if you do see a therapist every week, we will give you a thousand dollars a year to do so. That's the kind of legislation. It's the thing you're getting it back in savings. So if you do make that link, then it means that that person is not going to need open heart surgery. So you're saving the system like a hundred thousand dollars. Well, that's of, important because the argument will be, you just, right. you're, you're just, you're just hemorrhaging money, paying people to do these things. Like, right. You know, and then you have to have a back, right. You have to have that backstop. Have to, to say, yeah, we're doing trace, it. Yeah. You have but to we're doing it. the savings. Exactly. But we're doing it because these people are less likely to be doing X and, and less likely to engage in risky behaviors that cause and then what your, and then X. what your premiums go down. Or something anything like that yeah you could do any you could do any number of things because the thing is we already have the data we already have some, i mean i know we're like way out of left field that with, with this conversation but we have the data already if you wanted to promote something like that in our society the data is there it's just a matter of will and 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 destigmatizing for the general population because look we have a lot of t- to go full circle back to the original conversation the idea of what a man is, that toxic masculinity, is why Will Smith got up and slapped another man during an award show. There's, it, that's just a clear and present danger of, of like what it means to be a man. The, even in his speech where he's saying, like, I have to fiercely defend my family. That idea is baked in like archaic, medieval, uh, you know, mythos and story last duel dude yeah last duel garbage that's the last duel you gotta watch the movie there you go all right it's the last duel which they made a joke about you didn't watch the oscars i didn't even send it to you in the oscars someone made a joke about having no one having seen the last duel and i laughed my i laughed my butt off um but anyway yeah so there's a lot to it and uh and i wish that we could as a society talk more about it and unpack it because it's 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 corrosive it really is and it's it's destroying so many aspects of conversation race is just race is a big one definitely that this is a part of but it's something as you not as innocuous as freaking loan debt forgiveness why people are out there being like 
these 17 year olds should read the documents. They should read the legal paperwork and understand oh how God, compound interest works and, and, and realize that if you're in school for four years and you're not paying it down because you have no job and no money that uh, by the time you get out, the, the debt that you originally signed up for is going to be three times. It's worth. That's, I mean, everyone should know that at, at <laughs> that's common sense at 17 at 18. Yeah, that's, we're, that's common we're shouldering, sense. We're shouldering these people with, with debt for a lifetime that, they can't even claim bankruptcy for right. You can't discharge the loan, from what you I cannot understand. Cannot discharge You're it. Just, nope. Nope. So, so you are just That's saddled right. with it. And and from this, you made a stage at seventeen because you wanted a college education because our society streamlined you to say that if you did not get this college education, you would not get a job. And that pressure, that seventeen-year-old was supposed to weigh it at that moment to say, "What's worth it? Should I?" take out these loans to adhere to what society is telling me will get me a leg up. So that way I could be meaningful and, and, and get meaning out of the work because work is how we derive our meaning in our society and, and participate and, and get to the highest echelons of like being a president one day, or should I just not go to college and work this burger joint job and hope for the best <laughs> because I know compound interest works and I don't want that debt. I mean, like it's, it's ridiculous. I read through, I read through ridiculous. all the and C's and I understand it all. Like, it's, well, yeah. It's paragraph just, yeah, it's not... 32 of this loan agreement. I, I just was like, I'm not down for that. I'm, I quit college. I just was not going to take out these loans. I was not going to further. But, 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 but it's, but to your point, to your point, that's what you're streamlined to think that's, and it's, and not even what you're streamlined to think. That's that's one of the only ways you can make money without, you know, starting your own business and getting and, and getting super lucky. Right. But but you can read through the documents. Um, you can't. Redline I read through them. them. You, yeah, you can't yeah. redline them and send them back uh, for for edits for amendments. There's no. no amending the contract. No. It is what it is. You have no like, power. You're powerless. Yeah, so you accept so it like, and go to college, or you don't go to college. It's up to you. Yeah. Yeah. And then your the interest rates and God forbid you're taking out multiple ones and you don't consolidate them. You could owe you have hundred thousand dollars or more over uh, you don't on, even on something far less on, over money borrowed. Far we less. haven't even gotten into how the lending agencies were, especially back in the day. I don't know what it's like today, but when I went to college, my loans were sold over and over while I was in college. They they sell them off. And you by the time you graduate, you have no idea who owns your loans and in what pieces those loans may come back to you. I remember I graduated and I got like eight different documents in terms of like loans I owed for like little tiny amounts that I had. You have to consolidate because who the, who the heck is going to spend time paying eight different lenders uh, with a full time job? You're just going to be like sending paychecks off to eight people. That the, that that was crazy. And this, I'm saying it was like pre automatic auto pay and all but that no stuff. one teaches a 17 year old any of no, this like, God, no. don't assume that people have parents that are whether they have parents or a guardian or someone who's engaged to help them like just imagine a 17 year old no training on how to do this plus they're supposed to what get their get their stuff together and like go to college like well you all the, the, the application process is crazy first of all we all remember that you're you're, you're trying to do interviews you're trying to uh, write essays, you're trying to get grades, you know, you and, and some people are working in high school. And on top of that, you're supposed to, <laughs> you're supposed to do a fine tooth. Call. But you know, the thing is, when you say parents, that's the funny part about it. The parents are parents. If you ask your parents how much money it costs to go to college, I mean, most of our parents went to college for free. In the 70s, college was still free, especially in the cities. So I mean, like, they wouldn't know anything about this. Like, I mean, you have a concept of loans, but you wouldn't understand how the student loan framework worked in particular because you never had to go through it yourself. So, so who's actually teaching 
who's teaching our like our like our generation how to do this? No one really. I mean, no one knew. It's a really good point. Um, I don't. Yeah, I yeah. Well, I don't have a defense against it. Uh, I I just I I, I don't yeah. understand yeah. how um how people could be so uh, callous. Sympathetic. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's callous. It really is. It's callous when it comes to it. Yeah. Threatening so Biden over canceling ten thousand dollars of debt for everybody is like it's just insane. He's like it's it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. I always feel like a conspiracy nut when I talk about it too, because I'm always like, they're never going to do it because it's a brain drain. Because I mean, the minute you let everyone off of the student loan debt, they're just going to leave America. There's, they're not going to stay here. They're going to be free to go anywhere they want in the, in the world. They're just going to take their education and leave. Well, family roots might keep keep them here, but yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Everyone hates Thanksgiving. I don't know. <laughs> you could be like, that's a great excuse. Sorry, I can't make Thanksgiving. I got a job in Amsterdam. Yeah, you know, I mean, why would you why would you bother with this nonsense? So oh. anyway. JB, where can they find us? At Retraction Media, we covered a diverse amount of material here today. This is a meaty episode. My God. So ping-pong um, episode. And there was a lot of off-the-cuff stuff, so let us know if we misstepped, got something wrong, left something out. Uh, always happy to retract, to make amendments. Um, hit us up on Twitter, again, at Retraction Media. Rate us on your favorite podcasting platform. And with that, Retraction out. Fun times. I like the Retraction. I think we're, we're, that's a good one. I want to listen back to it.